Goodyear is an iconic American brand associated with tires. Chris Helsell is the chief technology officer of the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Corporation. Chris, tell us about Goodyear and tell us about your role, please. We're a more than 120-year-old company. Um, in some ways, we were a startup at that time, as you might imagine. And we were there at the, at the inception, really, of the mobility that we experience today, which is personal car ownership, internal combustion engines, and making, making tires for that new mobility. And here we are today at that new inflection point of the next mobility. Uh, a lot of people know us from the blimp. You know, we cover a lot of sporting events. And the other thing that you, you, you probably know us very much for is we make tires that go from something as small as your, your uh, consumer tire today to something as big as 63-inch uh, rim diameter that would go on some of those huge mining trucks that you might see around the world. Aircraft, aircraft type tires, which go at extremely high speeds, and even uh, racing tires in the form of NASCAR. So that's, that's how a lot of people would know us and know our brand. Tell us, what is the role of a CTO at a company that makes tires? And I know there's much more here than meets the eye, and that's what we want to kind of get into. My role at Goodyear as Chief Technology Officer really encompasses, we would say, tires and beyond tires. And I'll elaborate a little bit more on that as we go. But, but think of it this way, uh, I'm responsible for all the product development and technology that go into those tires. And then as importantly, as I mentioned, this whole new mobility, what are the new ways to enhance tire performance or bring tires to market differently or help people get more out of those tires? And so in the area of tires, we would be developing things like all kinds of new materials. People might not just know just one technology factor on tires, they composed of over 60 different materials that are brought together in a composite that needs to uh, do many, many things. Obviously, rolling at very high speeds, maintaining grip with roads under all kinds of conditions, whether that be you know, the summer conditions, dry conditions, uh, rain, snow. And at the same time, they, they deflect tremendously underneath that. And the real beauty of the tire, if you think about it, is um, it has the ability to carry load with a material that's very, very cheap, and that's air. And, and that's what's made a tire uh, such a great design for so long. And even why we see such a future for it is it's really difficult to come up with a new architecture to replace that. Air, air is a really uh, cost-effective way to carry load. The Beyond Tires area, of course, is our efforts in, in the new trends of in, uh, Internet of Things, uh, big data and things like that. And, and in that way, as you might imagine, we're putting sensors in tires and starting to do new jobs with tires as well. Can you give us an overview of the kind of technologies that you work on or that the company works on to help make tires possible? I mean, honestly, I sometimes think of tires as being kind of magic. You think about an airplane and the weight and it's coming down and I, and I, I travel a lot and I look at planes landing and I think it's sort of miraculous that these tires don't explode. So how does that, how does that work? I actually came to this industry over 24 years ago. And, and at that time I had worked in aerospace, I had worked in petrochemical, and I had worked in the nuclear industry. And I thought, geez, those were challenging problems. Actually, tires uh, has been the biggest challenge. And, and I was brought in uh, from the standpoint of doing computer modeling of tires. 
And 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 there it, it gets exactly into what you're saying is how do you represent these these really high uh, impact uh, events and and have a structure that can that can absorb those kind of impacts while lasting a very long time. Uh, some of the key things in particular you have to develop and deliver in tires today is fuel economy. Of course, a lot of people you know you've got big focus on things like global warming. These are huge challenges. And the more we can deliver fuel economy through the rolling resistance of the tire, which basically is every time a tire rolls, the materials actually um, will produce heat and that heat is energy loss, right? So you wanna minimize that energy loss. At the same time, you know, the, the rest of some of the sustainability initiative is also just make tires last longer. The longer a tire lasts, of course, that's less tires that need to be repurposed and downstream, usually into uh, such things as uh, fill materials for other products or actually are burned as energy. Uh, so, so sustainability is a big thing as we're trying to design tires. And then in the, uh, the, the other last area, I would talk about the sustainability is really in the new types of materials and sources of materials. Of course, natural rubber is a big component that goes into tires. There's also synthetic rubber derived from oil, but, but we've got been doing quite a bit of work and having implemented several of our new products, things like soybean oil, which gives us not only better performance, but of course, you know, gets us off of the dependence of some of those other sources. And then something called rice husk silica ash, which basically uh, makes silica, which is one of the fillers that gives rubber its properties and stiffness in the tread. Um, and that's derived out of one of the waste products of, of actually making food, making food from rice. So a lot of your time is spent on the material science of the rubber and ensuring performance and sustainability and balancing essentially these, these could we say, competing objectives? Yes. A lot of people talk about it in tires as a triangle. And, and as you design in particular the tread, which is that major component that touches the road, that part that, you know, if you're in a tire store, you're looking at, and it has all the features in it that, that are cut from blades. And, and those are those biting edges and things that give you things like traction. Um, you know, the, the trade-off there is tread wear, that fuel economy rolling resistance, and then your traction properties. And of course, all three of those are very important. And any tire that overbalances in one compromises too much in the others. And so therefore, the way you handle that even today is, is through market segmentation, where you actually would skew the properties in that tread in order to meet different, different um, uh, parts of the market or, or what it is that their, their preference is and the value for them in buying a tire. I, I'll just tell you for the North America market, you would see that in terms of the three different tire lines we have. We have one called the Weather Ready. And just like the name, it's really a lot around that performance in all kinds of weather conditions. The second one being the Max Life. The Max Life is very much around that extended tread wear. Get to you know, be on the vehicle the longest. So if you're somebody who, who drives with a lot of, of abrasion you know, and wear to your tires, that might be the best one for you. And then lastly is one called the Comfort Drive which emphasizes the ride characteristics as well as, you know, the fuel economy being important across all of those. What does digital transformation mean for Goodyear? In the tires area, what the digital transformation means is how do you bring new technologies like simulation and computer design tools 
um, in, in, into the design process for tires. And we've been doing some work on this for over 25 years collaboratively with Sandia National Laboratories in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it's a really a neat relationship that we have with them in that their, their, their core mission is the readiness of the nuclear arsenal of the US, the U.S. government. So you think about that. That's a big challenge. You say, so why do they partner with a tire company? And it's exactly because we can validate those computer tools that they use day in, day out to do their job, but we can do it on those thousands and thousands of products we develop every year. And as I said, some of the things that tires go through, the huge amounts of deflection that you see, the impacts that we see, the traction, each one of those features in their computer codes get validated by us with all the test data that we'd also produce that gives them confidence as they use those tools to do their job on, on uh, the nuclear readiness. So it's been an awesome collaborative relationship over 25 years. I think it's the longest running one. And these are, these are unique to US companies who can have these relationships with our national labs. So that's just one example of a digital transformation in our traditional core business. The second one has been really, how do we start doing the, the work on developing artificial intelligence type based tools to help our people make better decisions. So it's that human augmentation of our engineers. And there you see that in two areas. You already talked about the importance of materials. Materials is really one of our most important core competencies, as you'd imagine. And here, it's we make, we make all kinds of material experiments year in, year out. So for, for decades now, we've got all this data. We've taken and trained using some mach machine learning type algorithms and produced some really effective tools that can give insights to our designers and material developers, you know, without having to build and test tires. So again, it's a very productive thing, but also, as you might imagine, it makes us much more efficient and effective. So, so there's an example there in our core business. Um, the other side is the Beyond Tires is really about how are we putting sensors into our tires to do basically three different missions. Mission one would be have real-time ID of our tires, where they are, and secondly, the condition of those tires. Are they properly inflated? Are they worn out? And then the third is really in the, the, the long-term goal for sensors and tires is really to turn the tire itself almost into a sensor and how that integrates with the vehicle and vehicle developers today. Can we say each tire is, is a kind of node on the network from that standpoint? You could, you could start envisioning, right? I mean, just think of this, right? We sell, we sell over 150 million tires a year. Your average driver drives 10,000 miles a year. We have all those data points at any given time touching roads. And just think about that. You know, you, you go to things like a Google Maps and they drove around and they, they made their maps of all kinds of communities and cities, et cetera. Could we not produce um, you know, maps of basically road surfaces. And now what would you do with that information? You know, how can, what kind of problems can we help solve with respect to smart infrastructure and helping to make the driving experience all the better for people or all, all the more safe? And especially when we start talking about enabling um, uh, your, your uh, AVs or autonomous vehicles of the future. To build this kind of 
system, what are some of the components that need to be in place? You mentioned the need for each tire to have its own unique identifier. I mean, that in and of itself is not how we typically think of tires. We think of tires, most consumers think of tires as commodities. Obviously, in many domains, they're not commodities. But we, you know, we go to the tire store and it's like, okay, what's the best tire for us to buy today? But this, is, this goes so far beyond that. This does, you know, because if you start just with the ID of a tire, um, different tires have different characteristics as I described. You know, you can have from one manufacturer uh, and all these tires would fit your vehicle just fine and be appropriate for your vehicle. You could, you could have a tire that's skewed towards performance, one that's skewed towards winter performance. You could have one that's skewed towards tread wear. Each one of those has a different, I guess I would say the friction relationship that it has with the road, okay? And now just based on knowing that signature and presenting it to the automatic braking system or the ABS on a vehicle, you can you could improve vehicle performance. And we've even found that, you know, tires as they wear and you give up some of the stopping distance, let's say, is is one one really key parameter. We get you give up, you can recover up to 30% of that stopping distance simply by knowing what tire is on there and that ABS system uh, knowing to use certain characteristics because it knows the tire. So that's just a really simple thing that can have a really big impact just from the identification. When you, when you go secondly, though, into the idea of is the tire currently up to its mission, meaning is it properly inflated? Does it have the proper amount of tread wear still on it? And these are things that we're doing today through, through pilots where we have over 3 million miles running of a sensor actually in the tire. Yes, it knows the ID, but beyond that, it is, it is monitoring that temperature, pressure, other vibration characteristics combined with some of the vehicle data. And, and lo and behold, we can also predict uh, the, the state of tread wear and does it need replaced or not. Now, just think of, you mentioned, go to the tire store. Instead of you going to the tire store saying, yeah, what tire looks good? What if we were able to present to you at that point in time? Well, how do you, Michael, drive? You're a pretty aggressive driver, Michael. We would suggest this particular tire because it's going to be better for tread wear for you, right? You're not going to get the use out of this other tire. You're, you're really hard on your brakes. You're, you, you don't do a lot of long driving. So this, this fuel economy tire. And so we can start almost having a much more informed recommendation for you and also a relationship to know when you'll be in the market and when to even try to engage with you. And of course, pass that all the way back into our supply chain of when we need to know, when do we even need to produce that tire? Because we know, you know you're going to need a tire within about a month, right? So, so that, that whole area uh, is really uh, an exciting area for us to both do our job more effectively, give more to the customer, but also make us much more productive and efficient in what we have to do to get them the tires into the market. Arsalan Khan asks, if Goodyear is tracking tires in real time and with road information and locations, what about the privacy implications of that? What we have in market is for commercial trucks in the form of what we call a proactive service. So there, of course, we have complete transparency with our fleet operators on you know, the intelligence that we have in their product and their full access to that data and how we protect that data, right? Uh, we have to protect consumers' data today every day 
even in just in our tire stores with respect to all of that information. So, so we're extremely sensitive and know that that's very important. With respect to the second one, where we're putting intelligence in tires, that is in the consumer side, really in the pilots phase. So today you do not have sensors in all your tires and we are tracking them. To be clear, uh, this is in a very select applications today where we're really going to push out our first in-market for sale sensor in tire within about the next year. So, so be assured today we're not remotely doing it without you knowing it. And, and we also understand the, you know, those key, key questions that people have and they right, rightfully have. You're about a year away from actually push, pu putting products into the market that start to have these character, sensor characteristics for consumers. And for, for a company of Goodyear's size and market influence, a year away is pretty close. Yes. So then what are the components that you needed to build in order to create this? Because you've, you've got a very clear vision, you're executing towards that vision, you have timelines, at least estimated timelines in place. So you know, the, you know the pieces, what are the pieces? The key pieces are, as you might imagine, is we first had to work on uh, with partners, uh, sensors that would last in the tire environment for the life of the tire. Because, you know, people want to put, you know, if you think of, think of tires even on vehicles, you know, it's one of the components that requires maintenance as well as replacement during the life of the vehicle. There aren't a, not a lot of those left. And even as we move into electric vehicles, there even be less of those, right? There's less components, up to 75% less. So, so one of the things we know we have to do is to make tires last longer, potentially even up to the full life of the vehicle, okay? And, and so we see putting intelligence in is also something to do that. Now, that sensor then needs to last the life of the tire, and the longer we make tires last, the longer the sensors need to last. So the sensor is, is piece number one. The second one is to have some method in order to get the information off the sensor and, and get it to the cloud. So there, of course, we have traditional telematics, when, and some of that can be integrated through the vehicle if we have collaboration with the uh, OEM, which we've been pursuing some of those channels, not ready to go to market yet, or through a replacement, its own small telematics box. We then get it up to the cloud. So we have our own cloud infrastructure. And there is where, of course, we've got the algorithms that are running on the data that interprets that data and comes back and converts it into something actionable, right? And then lastly would be, how do we connect to the customer and send them information with respect to, hey, here's, here's what's going on with your tires. Do your tires need replaced? If so, would you like us to schedule something? You know, what would you like to do? Here's recommendations. So, so it's, it's basically those four pieces. Uh, for our fleet applications, that last piece would look a lot more like a big fleet dashboard, you know, and, and a whole set of interfaces for you as a fleet manager you know, to be able to make decisions on your fleet. And I'd, I'd like to be clear, we, we are in market in commercial for commercial truck. Um, not every single commercial truck tire, but in, in select application, you know, different applications of on-road trucks. And customers obviously are giving you very positive feedback about this, or you wouldn't be the continuing the development. You know, the fleet business is a business where, 
the more information you have, the better your decisions, the better your decisions, the better you can improve your margin, right? It's a, it is a, a difficult business and those who do it well do it very intelligently with good decision-making. So they love those tools, right? These tools really help them. What role do smart tires have in being, con- being part of a connected platform? So can you talk about the platform aspect? Because again, for the average person on the street, we don't think of tires as being sources of IoT data. We had announced this year at the Cons- Consumer Electronics Show in uh, Las Vegas in January. Seems like forever ago with everything everybody's going through, but, but we had announced what's called And Go by Goodyear. And what And Go is, is Goodyear's digital platform where, by which we can, we can connect to these new emerging fleets, consumer fleets, and completely di- you know, have a digital relationship and transactions to both monitor their vehicles, have them request vehicle service, and completely coordinate that whole whole thing, you know, uh, digitally, right? Just like you would just like you would ask for, let's say, an Uber ride. You could ask for Goodyear service to come out and clean your car. You could ask for Goodyear service to come out and check the tires. You could ask for Goodyear service, you know, to coordinate service to maybe even get warranty service done, and we'll take care of having that happen for you. And so we've been bringing on several partners in order to use that new capability. Um, it is definitely in the ramp up phase. We are not, you know, at prime time with millions of vehicles, but but it is coming along. And so that's number one way we have a platform. So you might just think of where our API would plug into somebody else's platform and then our platform takes care of servicing for you. So that's one way. Now, of course, the digital tire or the tire intelligent tire only helps that because the intelligent tire can pass the information to that same platform of, geez, this tire um, is, is actually low on air. And so therefore, we can all proactively reach out even before the customer does and has to have a complaint saying, oh, my vehicle that, that you know, I have out there for people to use, oh, the, the, the last person to use it says it has a flat tire. We could actually anticipate that flat tire and get it taken care of. And, and of course, the more those vehicles are available for somebody on their digital platform, that's how they make their money. So vehicle availability is really key, right, to, the, to their, their profitability. The technologies and the history of Goodyear have been associated with material science and designing tires that meet the various characteristics you were describing earlier, performance and balance, sustainability, and so forth. But now you are de facto becoming a data company. Is that not not so? It's very much so. We've had to really think about in this beyond tires area, what are the key capabilities we have to own and what are the, the ones that we have to partner, right? And so we've approached this in two ways. The, the first way was we opened up what we call an innovation lab. So, so maybe just to give you some context, uh, in, in Akron, Ohio, and Luxembourg and Europe, those are our two biggest innovation centers where we have hundreds and hundreds of engineers, okay? And they're doing that traditional work. In order to get at though, this new mobility type of, of opportunities I described where we're connecting into to service platforms for these new emerging fleets, 
a hotbed for that type of innovation in San Francisco. So what we did is we opened up an office in San Francisco two years ago, started with just two technology scouts. That group has grown, you know, ten, more than tenfold. And, and they are out there doing the development on the Ango platform live in market where they could be testing, partnering, rubbing shoulders with all the types of people we are collaborating with who bring solutions that we add to that platform. So it's been a, a, basically an open innovation story with an immersion in the ecosystem where that type of technology is, is being developed. And by, by being able to day in, day out, rub shoulders and collaborate with those who are shaping this new mobility. So that, that's, that's number one uh, way in which we've been doing this. And number two is, again, back to uh, January, we announced a new corporate venturing fund. And that gives us the opportunity to invest in startups, to invest in people who are bringing some new ideas who might need a little help and support in doing that. And of course, what we bring to that not is just investment. They have lots of opportunities for investment, but it's really an opportunity to help them scale and validate in market in a sizable way. What about the retooling, reskilling, rethinking uh, from a cultural standpoint inside Goodyear? Because the design and development of physical objects, namely tires, is so different from the design and development of conceptual products such as the the this the type of sensor data that you're collecting or planning to collect as well. Goodyear, as it's as it turns out, our challenge in in, in moving into this new mobility, and, and a lot of people in, in traditional innovation theory talk about these disruptions, right? And you're going to disrupt or die. What's interesting for us is that the tire, and I go back to my comment, um, it's a heck of a good design in the standpoint that air carries load. That, by definition, makes it a really cost-effective solution for connecting vehicles to Earth or whatever planet you want to. And, and the bottom line is that connection to the road, which is basically the size of the palm of your hand, four of those at any given time is carrying thousands of pounds of load, both you know, vertically or just pressing down, but also as you corner and maneuver on all kinds of roads and that job is not going away. Okay. And so our core product is needed even in this huge mobility ecosystem inflection point that we're having. However, it is not, we don't, we're not sitting here saying it's sufficient in the way people have consumed it. They want to pay for it. Uh, other things we can do to make it even better through intelligence. So, so for us, I think the challenge has been, how do we continue to respect the core, but also you know, understand that we have the opportunity to build these adjacencies around our core to make it even better, right? And that's a little different than some of the innovation challenges some people have. You know, if you think of an internal combustion engine and many of those components, if you're a component manufacturer of those, your challenge is very different, right? And so that respect and how we think about, you know, the core um, still as being really, really important and not like, hey, it's only the new stuff that's cool. You know, we have good things, like I mentioned, people want to work on sustainable new materials. That's an exciting engineering problem. So we have them on both sides of our house. So we're a little bit uh, blessed, I, th I would say, in that, you know, in terms of being able to motivate our folks. And so, so I think that was number one for us is really just keep everybody to understanding 
you know, our core business is still a great core business. We just want to make it even better, right? And so I think for us, that reckoning, right? And now as we bring people in and we bring people actually to cross those two domains, it's really important. The second thing I would say is uh, understanding of the tire. And, and when we've built our algorithms for predicting like treadwear and things, we have found if you don't also have some of the core tire properties as part of those algorithms, they're just not accurate enough. So the two have to come together uh, in order to really get at even the new opportunities, the traditional and the new. So underlying all of this change that's taking place is a deep, it sounds like a deep culture of innovation, historically innovation around the materials and improving the, the, the core product and now layered onto it this uh, I, I suppose you have to you've had to as you said acquire technologies and acquire skills and then there's has to be some retooling of of new skills layered on as well but the underlying culture of innovation it sounds like is unchanged relatively unchanged yes yes i think that's a very fair way to say it um albeit uh, i would say the innovation practice and i'll just just describe it this way um, you know, the, a tire is a safety product. And so from there, we tend to manage our innovation on that side with the traditional fo folks would might know it as a stages and gates type process, uh, traditional project management, because there's an awful lot of implication of us not following all the regulatory requirements, et cetera, et cetera. When it comes to some of these new solutions, like our digital platform, that requires a little different innovation skill if you think about it, because the implication of, okay, we didn't, we didn't get out there within one hour to fix the tire, it took two hours. It's not a safety concern, we'll say, as much as an inconvenience. And so for there, really an agility, get out in the market, put something out there, see if it works. So there you kind of see more of the lean startup approach, you know, that's made popular. And, and so we kind of have to have both of those muscles now. Uh, for the one for our core product and one really for the new stuff. Is there tension as you develop this, this new set of skills and new muscles as you describe it? Is there tension that happens? Are there challenges? How do you go about making that kind of change without disrupting the core? It really starts with a recognition that one's not right and one's wrong, but which is appropriate. So you got to start at what am I trying to do? What is it that I'm trying to manage and the types of decisions I have to make? And then you pick which, set, which of those two sets of skills is the appropriate one. I think where the tension comes in is if you try to do one size fits all for all of it, right? Respect that that stages and gates process works really, really well for managing risk for our traditional business. So don't try to, you know, force down their throat to do it the other way. Now there's parts of that, that fit for each, but by and large, I think the key is to just start with what is the problem I'm trying to manage? What are my types of risks in front of me? And then based on that, pick the more appropriate management tool. And I think if you approach it from a more pragmatic way like that, you can relieve some of the tension. You still get some of the tension, right? But, but it starts, it really starts there. Get everybody talking about what is the problem we have to manage? And we have another question, and that is the question of business model, because this is not, it sounds like the, 
like number one, it's a business model change. And then you've been building the technologies needed to drive that business model change as opposed to, well, let's develop cool technologies and then figure out how to sell it. Yes, I think that's a great insight. Um, you know, behind all this is really how, how are consumers going to approach mobility going forward? And, and as you, a lot of people talk about the new trends of mobility, it's basically a movement to fleets, autonomous vehicles, connected uh, vehicles, and electric vehicles. All right. And it's all enabling the shared economy, the last mile delivery of everything by gig workers. You know, many of these things are, are, are coming in great, great um, handy during, during these trying times of even COVID, right? And people are able to get their groceries delivered, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so people are viewing personal car ownership in very different ways. Now, you know, that in and of itself makes us say, well, part of that personal car ownership is the tires. And so therefore we need to figure out who actually is managing the vehicle, who actually is the decision maker then for tires. And in a lot of ways then, our consumer business can start looking like our commercial business where you have fleet managers. And again, we have a lot of experience with fleets of all different types. Fleet managers managed by data, cost of ownership, you know, helping them with their downtime, making sure their vehicles are available because that's how they make their money, right? And, and we do that not just by selling them a tire and going away, but providing them a whole service model around it. Uh, we make, we've made millions of service calls for like 18-wheeler trucks on sides of roads, and we have less than a two-hour roll time anywhere in the entire United States. So, you know, in order to do that, that is a business model. That is not just we sell you a tire. So it's a great perception, um, and, and it's really bringing that model now to these new type of emerging consumer fleets. When did the planning start for the new data-focused business model and set of technologies that you've had to develop? You know, you really saw a lot of people talking about these trends probably over the last five years. Um, now, again, I'll go back to in our commercial business. We've, we've operated that type of a business model for, you know, decades, but it's really getting enabled to be much more efficient and effective by digital, right? You know, in the past, it would be, hey, there's a, there's a, there's a vehicle that comes onto a, a fleet yard. You know, there's somebody running around with an air gauge, and they're trying to figure out if any of the tires are low on pressure before the truck goes back out. Now, with obviously a, a solution where you can monitor the, temp, the pressure remotely, you actually know when that truck is coming in. You could say, you know, truck number three it's the left rear tire on the trailer on the outside position, you know, have him pull over, he or she pull over and, and we'll get it serviced immediately. You can be much more surgical and efficient in doing it. And so, you know, I think that that's been a bit of an evolution on the commercial side. It's a bit more of a revolution on the consumer side. And really those trends have become big, you know, in the last, last let's say, handful of years. And organizationally, where has this sponsorship for this very large transition come from? In our company, it's our CEO. You, you know, he, he's really out there talking about the trends, um, not, not just both to the external public, but to ourselves. 
you know, he's put it as my, obviously my responsibility in terms of developing those capabilities. And we go to market through regional businesses. Those regional business teams uh, then, you know, partner with, with my groups and how we take it to market. So you might imagine we, we kind of take things up through incubation, bringing those technologies to it. Then the, the, the how do you scale it, take it to market happens through those regional businesses. You mentioned earlier that the surface of the, the contact surface of a tire and the road is about as big as your hand. Yes. And so if we take something like an airplane where you have the downward force of the plane landing combined with the weight of the plane, how does that, how does that work and why doesn't the tire simply explode in shreds? So you might imagine in a tire construction, let's say for your consumer tire, it has basically two what we'd call belts across the top. And then in the side of your tire, it might have uh, one or two layers of reinforced basically cords. And those cords are made out of anything from uh, polyester to nylon to even blended materials sometimes with, with even uh, aramid or you might, might better know that material is Kevlar. Um, in an aircraft tire, okay, an aircraft tire might have 10 of those layers, okay, and, and, and four times of those belts. The second thing is an aircraft tire is going to carry, have a lot more inflation. And so go back to my comment, air carries load. You put maybe, you know, maybe 200 PSI in an aircraft tire, Okay. So all that air in that tire is now there contained to carry load. And so it's really about the size of the, the, the chamber of air, how much, how much reinforcement you need to keep that amount of air contained. And then that amount of air and under its pressure offsets the load that you have to carry. It's, it's kind of that, uh, that, that, that's kind of the simple mechanics, I guess I'd put to it. And then the material science aspect of it must be particularly complicated because these cords that you were describing, they really do have to work. They really have to work. And, and if you think of those, that rubber or the polymers between, they have to pass the loads between those different reinforcements. I mean, it, it's as simple as, you know, at that road interface, you have to pass all that, those forces through frictions or contact, it then has to make its way down the sides of the tire, ultimately to, it's typically a steel cord wound uh, bead that actually sits on the rim and keeps that fixed to the rim. Then it goes to the rim and then from the rim, it goes you know, through the suspension into the vehicle. And so it's all about that load transfer and managing that load. I'm assuming you must work closely with the manufacturer of the wheel assembly because at the end of the day, don't they need to work together as one unit? They do because if you don't have good fitment there, you can have air leakage, you could have slippage, uh, many things obviously that would be very undesirable. As we finish up, is there anything else that you would like to share with us about the nature of tires? Keep the air in them, you know? Uh, keep them aired up to the proper inflation and you will get the best performance, uh, the, the longest lasting, and, and, and surely the, the, the best that you can get out of the money that you spend on them. You know, they are an investment and, and we appreciate that. We thank everybody for their business, but 
But the simplest thing for you to do is just keep air in them and, and they, will, they will serve you much better. I continue to believe that tires are fairly magical because of what they do and their size and just the abuse that they take. Chris Helsell, thank you very much for talking with us today. Thank you, Michael. Have a great day. We've been speaking with Chris Helsell. He is the Chief Technology Officer of Goodyear. Before you go, please, please, please subscribe on YouTube and hit the subscribe button at the top of our website, and we'll send you excellent information about CXO Talk. Thanks so much, everybody. I hope you have a great day, and we will see you again next time. We're speaking next week with the chairman of JetBlue. So that'll be an interesting and another travel-related conversation. Have a great day, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.